Section 91 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Nater. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 91. A Choctaw Holiday. About 1850. By George Cutlin. When I was staying at the Choctaw Agency, in the midst of their nation, it seemed to be a sort of season of amusements, a kind of holiday, when the whole tribe almost were assembled around the establishment, and from day to day we were entertained with some games or feats that were exceedingly amusing. Horse racing, dancing, wrestling, foot racing, and ball playing were amongst the most exciting, and of all the catalogue the most beautiful was decidedly that of ball playing. This wonderful game, which is the favourite one amongst all the tribes, and with these southern tribes played exactly the same, can never be appreciated by those who are not happy enough to see it. It is no uncommon occurrence for six or eight hundred or a thousand of these young men to engage in a game of bowl with five or six times that number of spectators, of men, women, and children surrounding the ground and looking on. And I pronounce such a scene with its hundreds of nature's most beautiful models denuded and painted of various colours, running and leaping into the air in all the most extravagant and varied forms in the desperate struggle for the ball, a school for that painter or sculptor equal to any of those that ever inspired the hand of the artist in the Olympian Games or the Roman Forum. I have made it a uniform rule, whilst in the Indian country, to attend every ball-play I could hear of, if I could do it by riding a distance of twenty or thirty miles. And my usual custom has been, on such occasions, to straddle the back of my horse and look on to the best advantage. In this way I have sat, and oftentimes reclined, and almost dropped from my horse's back, with irresistible laughter at the succession of droll tricks and kicks and scuffles which ensue in the almost superhuman struggle for the ball. These plays generally commence at nine o'clock or near it in the morning, and I have more than once balanced myself on my pony from that time till near sundown without more than one minute of intermission at a time before the game has been decided. While at the Choctaw Agency it was announced that there was to be a great play on a certain day within a few miles, on which occasion I attended and made three sketches, and also the following entry in my notebook, which I literally copy out. Monday afternoon at three o'clock I rode out with Lieutenants S and M to a very pretty prairie about six miles distant to the ball playground of the Choctaws, where we found several thousand Indians encamped. There were two points of timber about half a mile apart, in which the two parties for the play, with their respective families and friends, were encamped and lying between them the prairie on which the game was to be played. My companions and myself, although we had been apprised that to see the whole of a ball play we must remain on the ground all the night previous, had brought nothing to sleep upon, resolving to keep our eyes open and see what transpired during the night. During the afternoon we loitered about amongst the different tents and shanties of the two encampments, and afterwards, at sundown, witnessed the ceremony of measuring out the ground and erecting the bys or goals which were to guide the play. Each party had their goal made with two upright posts, set firm in the ground, with a pole across at the top. These goals were about forty or fifty rods apart, 
and at a point just halfway between was another small stake driven down where the ball was to be thrown up at the firing of a gun to be struggled for by the players all this preparation was made by some old men who were it seemed selected to be the judges of the play who drew a line from one by to the other to which directly came from the woods on both sides a great concourse of women and old men boys and girls and dogs and horses where bets were to be made on the play the betting was all done across this line and seemed to be chiefly left to the women who seemed to have marshalled out a little of everything that their houses and their fields possessed goods and chattels knives dresses blankets pots and kettles dogs and horses and guns and all were placed in the possession of stakeholders who sat by them and watched them on the ground all night preparatory to the play the sticks with which this tribe play are bent into an oblong hoop at the end with a sort of slight web of small thongs tied across to prevent the ball from passing through the players hold one in each hand and by leaping into the air they catch the ball between the two nettings and throw it without being allowed to strike it or catch it in their hands in every ball-play of these people it is a rule of the play that no man shall wear moccasins on his feet or any other dress than his breech-cloth around his waist with a beautiful bead belt and a tail made of white horsehair or quills and a mane on their neck of horsehair dyed of various colours this game had been arranged and made up three or four months before the parties met to play it and in the following manner the two champions who led the two parties and had the alternate choosing of the players through the whole tribe sent runners with the ball-sticks most fantastically ornamented with ribbons and red paint to be touched by every one of the chosen players who thereby agreed to be on the spot at the appointed time and ready for the play the ground having been all prepared and preliminaries of the game all settled and the bettings all made and goods all staked night came on without the appearance of any players on the ground but soon after dark a procession of lighted flambeaux was seen coming from each encampment to the ground where the players assembled around their respective vice and at the beat of the drums and chants of the women each party of players commenced the ball-play dance each party danced for a quarter of an hour around their respective buys in their ball-play dress rattling their ball-sticks together in the most violent manner and all singing as loud as they could raise their voices whilst the women of each party who had their goods at stake formed into two rows on the line between the two parties of players and danced also in a uniform step and all their voices joined in chants to the great spirit in which they were soliciting his favour in deciding the game to their advantage and also encouraging the players to exert every power they possessed in the struggle that was to ensue in the meantime four old medicine men who were to have the starting of the ball and who were to be the judges of the play were seated at the point where the ball was to be started and busily smoking to the great spirit for their success in judging rightly and impartially between the parties in so important an affair this dance was one of the most picturesque scenes imaginable and was repeated at intervals of every half hour during the night and exactly in the same manner so that the players were certainly awake all the night and arrayed in their appropriate dress prepared for the play which was to commence at nine o'clock the next morning in the morning at the hour 
the two parties and all their friends were drawn out and over the ground where at length the game commenced by the judges throwing up the ball at the firing of a gun when an instant struggle ensued between the players who were some six or seven hundred in numbers and were mutually endeavouring to catch the ball in their sticks and throw it home and between their respective stakes which whenever successfully done counts one for the game in this game all the players were dressed alike that is divested of all dress except the girdle and the tail which i have before described and in these desperate struggles for the ball when it is up where hundreds are running together and leaping actually over each other's heads and darting between their adversaries legs tripping and throwing and foiling each other in every possible manner and every voice raised to the highest key in shrill yelps and barks there are rapid successions of feats and of incidents that astonish and amuse far beyond the conception of anyone who has not had the singular good luck to witness them in these struggles every mode is used that can be devised to oppose the progress of the foremost who is likely to get the ball and these obstructions often meet desperate individual resistance which terminates in violent scuffle and sometimes in fisticuffs when their sticks are dropped and the parties are unmolested whilst they are settling it between themselves unless it be a general stampedo to which they are subject who are down if the ball happens to pass in their direction every weapon by a rule of all ball play is laid by in their respective encampments and no man allowed to go for one so that the sudden broils that take place on the ground are presumed to be as suddenly settled without any probability of much personal injury and no one is allowed to interfere in any way with the contentious individuals there are times when the ball gets to the ground and such a confused mass rushing together around it and knocking their sticks together without the possibility of anyone getting or seeing it for the dust that they raise that the spectators loses his strength and everything else but his senses when the condensed mass of ball sticks and shins and bloody noses is carried around the different parts of the ground for a quarter of an hour at a time without any one of the mass being able to see the ball and which they are often thus scuffling for several minutes after it has been thrown off and played over another part of the ground for each time that the ball was passed between the stakes of either party one was counted for their game and a halt of about one minute when it was again started by the judges of the play and a similar struggle ensued and so on until the successful party arrived to one hundred which was the limit of the game and accomplished at an hour's sun when they took the stakes and then by a previous agreement produced a number of jugs of whisky which gave all a wholesome drink and sent them all off merry and in good humour but not drunk after this exciting day the concourse was assembled in the vicinity of the agency house where we had a great variety of dances and other amusements the most of which i have described on former occasions one however was new to me and i must say a few words of it this was the eagle dance a very pretty scene which is got up by their young men in honour of that bird for which they seem to have a religious regard this picturesque dance was given by twelve or sixteen men whose bodies were chiefly naked and painted white with white clay and each one holding in his hand the tail of the eagle while his head was also decorated with an eagle's quill 
spears were stuck in the ground, around which the dance was performed by four men at a time, who had, simultaneously at the beat of the drum, jumped up from the ground where they had all sat in rows of four, one row immediately behind the other, and ready to take the place of the first four when they left the ground fatigued, which they did by hopping or jumping around behind the rest, and taking their seats ready to come up again in their turn, after each of the other sets had been through the same forms. In this dance the steps, or rather jumps, were different from anything I had ever witnessed before, as the dancers were squat down, with their bodies almost to the ground, in a severe and most difficult posture. I have already, in a former letter, while speaking of the ancient custom of flattening the head, given a curious tradition of this interesting tribe accounting for their having come from the west, and I here insert another or two, which I had, as well as the former one, from the lips of Peter Pinchlin, a very intelligent and influential man in the tribe. THE DELUGE Our people have always had a tradition of the deluge, which happened in this way. There was total darkness for a great time over the whole of the earth. The Choctaw doctors or mystery men looked out for daylight for a long time, until at last they despaired of ever seeing it, and the whole nation were very unhappy. At last a light was discovered in the north, and there was great rejoicing, until it was found to be great mountains of water rolling on, which destroyed them all except a few families who had expected it and built a great raft on which they were saved future state our people all believe that the spirit lives in a future state that it has a great distance to travel after death towards the west that it has to cross a dreadful deep and rapid stream which is hemmed in on both sides by high and rugged hills over this stream from hill to hill there lies a long and slippery pine log with the bark peeled off, over which the dead have to pass to the delightful hunting-grounds. On the other side of the stream there are six persons of the good hunting-ground, with rocks in their hands, which they throw at them all when they are on the middle of the log. The good walk on safely to the good hunting-grounds, where there is one continual day, where the trees are always green, where the sky has no clouds, where there are continual fine and cooling breezes, where there is one continual scene of feasting, dancing, and rejoicing, where there is no pain or trouble, and people never grow old, but for ever live young and enjoy the youthful pleasures. The wicked see the stones coming, and try to dodge, by which they fall from the log and go down thousands of feet to the water, which is dashing over the rocks, and is smelling of dead fish and animals, where they are carried round and brought continually back to the same place in whirlpools, where the trees are all dead, and the waters are full of toads and lizards and snakes, where the dead are always hungry and have nothing to eat, are always sick and never die, where the sun never shines, and where the wicked are continually climbing up by thousands on the sides of a high rock, from which they can overlook the beautiful country of the good hunting-grounds, the place of the happy, but they can never reach it. End of section 91